today we're in the middle of a series entitled, What If? And this series is an opportunity for us to look at some difficult questions regarding faith and to address those questions in an open and thoughtful manner. We're not going to address every question and we're not going to address every question of, of uh, difficulty. But we are looking at some things. We're taking an open and honest look at them to say, um, Lord, how can our faith be strengthened through looking at these honestly? And how can we be empowered to more adequately make known our faith to those around us? Because a, a faith that is not in any way tested or tried is not a real true faith. And uh, we're not afraid to ask questions here. But we do know at the end of the questions is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Today, on the day of, who can tell me what it is today in the uh, holy calendar? Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, we are going to speak and uh, look at the question, what if the Holy Spirit is available today? You got excited about that, huh? Cassidy, all right, well, we're going to talk about a few things. It's okay to get excited here in church, because Jesus... Uh, was all about bringing life wherever he went. So, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. First question we want to kind of address here is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We're talking about if he exists, it'd be nice to know who he is. Well, I want to tell you a few things the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not an it, right? Cousin it from the Adams family with the hair down there, or any kind of it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Let's read together here in John uh, chapter 15 and verse 26. When the advocate, Jesus speaking here, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. You'll notice again, it does not say it will testify about Me, but He will testify about Me. And this is one key thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. The second thing, just another thing I want to kind of dispel here, is that the Holy Spirit is not Casper the friendly ghost. That's not what he's like. Or, you know, ghost, dun, 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 dun. It's not, he's not a, you might hear the phrase, Holy Ghost, but he is a spirit, and uh, we as the followers of God worship in spirit and in truth. You know, um, when as I said, when some people hear the word ghost, they might think little creatures that hide in houses and stuff like that. But that is not uh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also is not, I know there's a new movie coming out, so you can be very excited about this. He is not the good side of the force. Right? You just kind of, you know, get your lightsaber and dial in. Right? No. The Holy Spirit, that is more of an Eastern concept if we're talking That's more of an Eastern religious concept that there's a good side of the force and there's a bad side of the force and you kind of can tap into that. It's it's an impersonal force. He's a very personal being, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person and He also is God. Let's look real quickly at Acts chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4. It says here, Then Peter said, Uh, Well, let me explain this before I read it, just a moment. This was a very critical time period in the establishment of the church when uh, Jesus had just ascended to the right hand of the Father. We'll talk more about that. He had been dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. And he left his disciples in Jerusalem. Um, What I'm going to speak about later had happened. uh, um, And the church had been birthed. 
and there was a man that had only sold uh, that had sold a piece of property and brought it to the leaders of the church, but he had lied about it and said it was a different amount of money than it was. Okay, and uh, he is standing before Peter, who is the leader of the church at this time, and uh, here's the dialogue going on. We're talking though about defining and looking here scripturally at is the Holy Spirit God? Okay, read this here. Then Peter said, Ananias. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before you were uh, didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to human beings but to God. What made you think of lying to the Holy Spirit? What made you think of lying to God. You see this synonym here, right? A or A equals B, B equals C, transitive property if I'm not mistaken, that the Holy Spirit is what is called the third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity. Now the Trinity is not expressly stated in scripture. There's not a word that you will find saying Trinity, but we see clearly that there's a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, three individuals that are one God together in him and the holy spirit is that third person he uh, is not merely an agent of god though he is an agent of god he is not merely an agent he is god he's his own agent in one way uh, of looking at it he is from god from beginning to end and he's all-knowing say all-knowing he's all-powerful and he's all-present that's that's some immutable, unchangeable facts about who God is. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. He was at creation. The Holy Spirit was with the Father. And He was with the Son at creation. And He will be with the Father and the Son at the consummation of all things. That means when everything wraps up and the eternal kingdom of God is established for, for the one that is free of sin and free of destruction where there will be no more tears they will be wiped off of every eye. This Holy Spirit is a person and He is God. He is a lot of other things, but we want to understand He is a personal being, but He is a living God at the same time. You following me with this? So we've kind of discussed a bit who is the Holy Spirit. Now I want to talk about the question, is the Holy Spirit available today? Now, we, we, uh, if you read the Bible, you can see that the Holy Spirit was available at one time. The Holy Spirit did mighty works. Uh, but is He available today? Well, let's look uh, at some Scripture. And we look at the Bible as our source of God's... Uh, this is God's Word to us. And it is the source by which we measure what is truth. Truth is not relative. Truth is coming straight from what God says here through His Word. We want to look at it and rightly divide it. It can be read and twisted, Scripture can, but we're asking the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds to the truth of what He's saying. The Old Testament prophets predicted that the Holy Spirit would come. That's the first thing I want to say about is the Holy Spirit available today? Joel chapter 2, verses uh, 28 through 32. I'd like to have you read it with me today at this moment uh, and start with me now. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. The Holy Spirit has existed as God from the beginning. But He was not available. I want to say this and have you think about this. He was not available to all mankind after the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What I mean by the fall is the decision of Adam and Eve to sin by taking of the fruit from the tree. After that, the Holy Spirit, God and His Spirit, were available to Adam and Eve. But after that decision, He was not available to all. He was, he was um, because of sin, there was a distance and a gap between God and mankind. And God had to deal with it in different ways. But the Holy Spirit, um, due to their sinfulness, as I said, the Holy Spirit was not able to dwell. The Old Testament prophets, though, Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, those who had been called by God, the prophets of Israel and Judah, they predicted that there would come a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out, Joel being one of those, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh, all mankind, and everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So the second thing we want to look about in this, uh, in this question is the Holy Spirit available today. We, we see that the Old Testament prophets predicted it. Many, many prophets predicted the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be sent. In the book of John, which is the fourth, uh, message, the fourth, um, uh, uh, fourth chap- chapter of the Bible uh, in the New Testament, that um, book of the Bible in the New Testament, that explains who Jesus is. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be sent. John 14 and verse 26 says this. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, the Old Testament prophets predicted it, and Jesus predicted it as well. He promised the Holy Spirit was coming. You see, the Holy Spirit was not available to everyone when Jesus walked the earth. The Holy Spirit indwelled Jesus, and everywhere Jesus went, people were what? Healed. People were uh, delivered of demons. People were uh, lepers. Those with skin disease were cured. Everywhere Jesus went, the Spirit of God was in Him and upon Him and moved. And it was that way with God's men and women throughout the course of history. But not everyone had availability of the Holy Spirit at the time Jesus spoke. But He promised, again, just as the prophets spoke, He's coming. He will be here and He will be for all who believe in me. Now let's look. God delivered the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't it good? God delivers the Holy Spirit and He is true to His delivery. Have you ever had an off-time delivery? Anything you were expecting to come overnight from, uh, from Brown, UPS, or FedEx, or something else? And, uh, or you ever had somebody promise you something and they broke their promise and the delivery didn't come on time. What a drag. Well, I'm excited to tell you today. When God promises something to you, it may not be on your time schedule. It may not be on your frame. But I'm telling you this, and I feel God encouraging us with this today. The delivery is for sure. It's for sure as we're going to look at it. And it's for sure for today. 
Let's look at this. Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4, Jesus is ascended to heaven after giving the great commission to make disciples of all nations to his disciples. This was following that when the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem. And it says here, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This was Jesus' disciples. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind. Let's make that sound today. How do you, I don't know how to make it. Go ahead, try. You can try. Well, I mean, okay, that's not too violent, but you don't want to spit on those around you. My little daughter has been doing that violent spitting sound recently, but suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, all of them. We're noticing a word. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There's a great key to this message. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. From the Garden of Eden until this point in time in history, all had not been baptized and and had full access to the Holy Spirit. But all of them received the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died, he took the punishment. I want to say that to you today. Just take a little bit of an aside. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all the sin that you've ever committed upon himself. He took all the shame that you have ever felt in your life upon himself. He took the beatings and the bruisings that you and I deserved. And he turned the tables. And he gave us an opportunity to free relationship with Jesus. He not only gave us the opportunity to be free of sin, but free to live in a righteous life. When Jesus died, he took that punishment. He took a cruel death on our behalf. On the cross, the, the, um, the electric chair of his day, the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, a cruel form of punishment. Because of this act of love and deliverance on Jesus' part, the way was made for the promise of God, the Holy Spirit, to be delivered. You see, because when Jesus died and the sin issue was taken out of the way upon mankind, then the freedom, uh, the access of God to His people was made available again. I mean, I really hope that you are getting encouraged today about this. Because it, what, is gloriful, uh, that w- what glorifies God is good for you and me. After Jesus rose, the Holy Spirit was poured out on His descendants. From this time forward, we can say this. We can say this. The Holy Spirit is available today for all who call on the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is available today. I want to give one last thing as we move into um, a a little bit of the specifics. An example of the availability of the Holy Spirit. So the prophets promised the Holy Spirit Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. God delivered the Holy Spirit. And there are examples uh, throughout the history of the church and today. And I'm going to give you one example of mine because it's an awesome one. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 where Paul writes here, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. My mother, I want to talk just a moment with you about my mother. About five feet one Or five feet two, maybe with heels on. High heels, you know. Maybe a little taller than that. Probably not now. 
But my mom was the most amazing example to me of what it meant to have an actual friendship with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Man, I remember from my earliest years, I saw my mom. She had a relationship with God. I remember walking into the room at moments of my mother, uh, my my parents' room, and and she would be on her knees uh, praying beside the the, the bed, and I would, I would just have this sense. I, of course, I was young. I had a sensitivity to those things, but I, but I was very aware, a presence, a presence with peace and joy and life was there. And my mother cultivated a deep and powerful relationship with him. She was not just saying words when she prayed. She was communing with a dear friend. A dear friend. God was not just an idea to my mom. He was her life. He was her living reality from day to day. And he's still her living reality today after 55 years of marriage and 75 years of life. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, just thought I'd get those out there, were available in her life. And the manifestation of the Spirit, I mean, my mom, I have to be honest with you, she was a wild woman. If I didn't know she was so grounded in the love and the presence of Jesus, I'd have been a little afraid, and I still was sometimes. But she went for God. She prayed in tongues. She prayed for the sick. She prophesied. She did all of the things that God would have. If our dog was sick, we laid hands on him, took care of it. We were prophesying. We were speaking words of God on the way to our piano lessons and back. You know? I mean... And we were praying in tongues from a young age. My mom was committed to not only the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the character of God, but to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit available in her life. It's not one or the other. You cannot just grasp one and leave the other. God wants us to walk together in that goodness. Jesus demonstrated this kind of relationship that my mom had. As Moses spoke of it, one as a man with his friend. So we've discussed who the Holy Spirit is just a little bit. And we've looked at, is He available today? And I hope that you have seen through the fact that the prophets predicted it. Many prophets from many different uh, genres and generations predicted it. Jesus promised it. God delivered it. And there are examples, and I could give you a lot more, and you could read about them, of people who have experienced the the living God, the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk to you about uh, three quick things. If the Holy Spirit is available today, which I hope that I have at least given you um, more of an assurance of, I don't know if I fully convinced you, but if I have given you that, I want to say three things, not the only three things, but three things that are true because of that. The first thing, if the Holy Spirit is available today, you are not alone. That's called presence. Mother Teresa said it this way. Loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. John chapter 14 and verses 16 and 17 say this. And I will, Jesus said, ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. (laughs) The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it's neither seen or known him. 
but you know Him for He lives with you and He will be in you. You see, the word that Jesus uses here is the Greek word termed paraclete, which comes from the Latin term which is advocate. The Greek word parakletos means comforter. Literally, a person called in to help. Praise God. Do you need help? Do you need help today? I need His help. He's the one who walks beside. That's what paraclete means. Some synonyms of this word or um, advocate are champion, proponent, backer. It'd probably be good at this point to trace just a quick bit of God's intention of dwelling with mankind. God has always been a God of presence. Say presence. He's not just a God of principles. Matt shared it wonderfully with us a year or so ago. He's not just a God of principles. He's a God of presence, of daily presence in our lives. And He's been seeking that presence with us since the fall of mankind in the garden. I want to look at a few things. He has been seeking presence with us from the Garden of Eden where He dwelled with Adam and Eve in uninterrupted communion with, with, when, before sin caused Adam and Eve to be cast out. He dwelled with us in the tabernacle. He dwelled with mankind. The tabernacle was built by Moses. God said, build it. And it was a tent. And it moved around with the Israelites. And in the middle of it was the holy, most holy place. And that was where at least one person got to dwell in the uninterrupted presence of God and be a priest, one that took the good things of God. God dwelled with His people. You see, God is never stiff-arming you. He is not stiff-arming me. He's doing everything He can to get near to us. To forgive us. To cleanse us. To renew us. To encourage us. To give us life. God has never stiff-armed mankind. Everything He did. He built the tabernacle. And then after the tabernacle, King David wanted to do it, but his son Solomon did. He built the temple in Jerusalem. And in that temple, the same most holy place... God said, I can't dwell with every one of you at all the time yet because the fulfillment of the ages through Jesus hasn't come. But I'm going to get as close as I can to you. And if you'll work with me, I'll be with you. And God, through the temple, He met with mankind in a wonderful and powerful way. From the incarnation of Jesus, God said, okay, it's not enough to dwell with you through a temple. I'm going to come and be with you, Emmanuel. Jesus came to us here. But Jesus said, it's not enough that I just be with you one person at a time or even groups at a time receiving my healing and my grace. I am going to die to bear your sin, to rise again. And here's the good news. Jesus said, it's for your good that I go away. Because if I go, then I'm sending the advocate, the paraclete, the one who walks beside. I want to ask James to come up here. James Frazier. Nice, handsome man. I'm going to get a drink of water here. Let's hear it for James. <clears throat> I'm just going to put up, if you'd put up those, uh, the Holy Spirit is. Another way of saying this about you not being alone is the Holy Spirit is by your side. Say, by my side. And He's on your side. Don't you like that? So it's like this, right? Let's walk down here. James knows the Lord. Jesus is in James's heart. 
And the Holy Spirit is powerfully loving. James, I love you. That's the Holy Spirit just walking with James. James, you are a great guy, and I love you. He's commandingly joyful. James, I'm excited about life today. Let's go get it. He's actively peaceful. James, I know you're anxious about these things, but I want to encourage you. He's compellingly patient. Do something stupid, James. Okay, never mind. So James does something stupid, right? I forgive you. Grace. Does the Holy Spirit break with James? No, the Holy Spirit's seeking every way to be near him. Emphatically kind, intensely good, infallibly faithful, potently gentle, and vigorously self-controlled. Thank you, James, for that. You see, James... That right there, that list is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Of what? The Holy Spirit. That's why he's like that. (laughs) That's God. He is good. Every day you get up, if you have faith in God, he's on your side and he's by your side. You may not feel it. I don't always feel it. Sometimes I feel rotten. Sometimes I feel tired. But the Holy Spirit is on my side and he's by my side. And he gets me going. If I will have a revelation of that, he's on my side. You don't ever have to be alone again. I'm not saying you won't feel alone. But I'm telling you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, He wants to give you a revelation of what's called, some have called the tabernacle of the heart. You dwell with God in that most holy place in your own spirit. Hallelujah. we got to move on. Because really the good part about talking about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming and meeting our hearts and meeting our minds. And He's coming. He's here already. The second thing... So it's good for you. The Holy Spirit is on your side and by your side. That means the Holy Spirit, you don't ever have to be alone. The second thing is you have, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't, I encourage you. We want to walk with you in that process of coming to know Jesus. But you have the Holy Spirit power from the inside to live free of sin. It's inside. It's like, it's like in... Um, You know, the pressure on the outside of a a tire causes it to be deflated. But if you get the pressure inside great enough, no deflation can keep it back, right? And the Holy Spirit within you, as even in 1 John it says, greater is He that is in you than he that is in this world. The Holy Spirit is able to help you live free of sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation. I want to say it over you today. It breaks my heart, and I know it breaks God's heart. There's no condemnation over you who are in Christ Jesus. You can't do enough good work to make God like you. He loves you. He saw all of your garbage, and He bled and He died for you. How much more, the Scripture says, after seeing that, will you not be reunited with Him? He's working on your side. Through the law of, uh, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You cannot, I cannot get free of sin by trying harder. Anybody out there tried harder? Not to sin. Not to do things you shouldn't do. I'm not just talking about big things. I'm talking about all things. You gain freedom from sin by drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit to live in righteousness. It's important that we know that we're free from the power of sin and death even at this moment. You are free In the legal sense, you are free from sin at this moment. And you say, well, I don't believe you. (laughs) I'm struggling with it. The reality is, that here's the reality. You don't have to sin anymore. Will you sin? We live in a fallen, broken world. 
We, our minds, our wills, our emotions, as I've spoken about, have been broken down. And we are prone at moments to sin. And we drift in and out of our relationship with God at times. Hopefully the gap is lessening. We drift from Him. He never drifts from us. But He, you do not have to sin. I'm going to give you an illustration. A friend of mine in the military uh, was a captain at Hanscom Air Force Base here that David, Lieutenant David, uh, is there and works there. But uh, his name was Lieutenant Pucci. And uh, he um, had a job as a captain at the Air Force Base. And he'd come to the Air Force Base and he'd perform his job. He'd be saluting. I'm sorry, I don't want to try a salute. I know it goes kind of down. I don't want to insult any of you who know how to do it. <clears throat> but um, he'd come in. He'd salute. He'd go to his job. He'd salute. People would salute him. He'd salute them. Go on out. Interestingly enough, he got a job as a, um, as a civilian at the same desk doing a similar type of work. And so he became a captain. He got out of the Air Force, finished his portion, and then he went to the same desk. So he walked on to Hanscom Air Force Base. What do you think he felt like doing? Saluting. Can you give me a proper salute, please? Okay, wow, that looks good. Man, that's nice. <laughs> he felt like saluting, but guess what? He didn't have to anymore. He didn't have to. He was in the same place. Sometimes for you, you're in the same relationships. You're in the same body. You're in the same all of this, that, and the other. And you feel like, i got to do it now. But he didn't have to do it anymore. And that's what's true of you. You may feel like it. You may be bound in it. You may need to get free of it. But you have the power from within to walk ever increasingly free from sin. It's not a work of your own. It is not, I'm not trying to say, you know, Nobody ever promised you a rose garden, right? I'm not saying it is easy at times. It takes work. But it's interesting. A.W. Oh, the way we get free of this in the biggest way is to replace unholy passions with holy passions. Unholy desires with holy desires. We get free of sin through living a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Not, I'm going to try harder. No, a life where we say, Oh God, I can't do it anymore. Please, Holy Spirit, come and... Fill up my tank. Fill my tire so that I am no longer deflated or whatever you want to say. We call out for Him. God is not a kill joy. He is a give joy. Everything about Him is to give us joy. It comes through trial. It comes through, through difficulties. But He is a give joy. The pleasures of God are greater than the pleasures of this earth. And you don't get free of sin, but we don't get free of sin because we really think it's more fun. We think it's more enjoyable. We really do. But God is transforming us through the Holy Spirit to realize it's better in here. Woo! In this biosphere of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I'm about to get excited about Him today. Jesus, I'm excited about the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's hurry. Let's get to this part. The good news is now through the blood of Jesus, and I speak it over you. Whoever's lied to you, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to walk in righteousness. And that's what our community is about. Trying to help each and every one of us to walk freer of that brokenness. Not having you, the, the key to being free of sin is not trying, to, not trying to quit sinning anymore. The key is living unto righteousness. Ephesians 2.10 The good works God has promised are right in front of us. I won't get free of... Here we go. You overcome lust uh, with enjoying a holy passion for God. 
That's not the only way. But you can overcome hate with extravagant, ridiculous love. You can overcome fear with an increasing understanding of God's love for you through His Holy Spirit. You overcome anger with an unrealistic forgiveness of other people. You're empowered by the Spirit to walk in the opposite spirit and walk in freedom. There's so much more to unpack there. No, it does not mean you're automatically going to be free of sin. But in your spirit, you don't ever have to sin anymore. I'm not saying that you won't. I am saying you have power. And ever increasingly, we're wanting to be those to serve you to help walk in freedom. Okay, we're, we're rounding the bend here. People that are praying for others, get ready. I've alerted some of you. You can have the Holy Spirit power from the outside. Okay? So, you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit power from the inside to walk free of sin. But you can also have the Holy Spirit power from the outside to help other people. And to be empowered to see things shift in the Spirit wherever you go. To quit being a spiritual thermometer that goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And become a thermostat that comes into an environment and says, Workplace, I'm turning the dial to love. Turning the dial to no gossip. Oh, changing the channel. Sorry, in the Spirit. But you have power from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 1 1-5. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles He had chosen. After His suffering, Jesus' suffering on the cross, He presented Himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Power to live in holiness and freedom from the effects of sin is one thing, and it is great, isn't it? But this is enabling us to be built up in ourselves, encourage ourselves, strengthen one another. But the power of God to see others set free is something we need as well. Jesus breathed on His disciples after rising again from the dead in John chapter 20 and said, receive the Holy Spirit. you got power to live in freedom. But He didn't say just go on out. He said, now wait until you've been endued with power from on high. That's what happened here. That's what happened when the disciples came together. They were waiting upon Him. As uh, Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California, says it, what is in us is for us. What is on us is for them. What The Holy Spirit, you have Him. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He begins a purifying, sanctifying work. But you need Him to come on you from the outside. You need to be baptized in His Spirit for His glory. And not just because you like it, but because others need it. If the disciples needed the Holy Spirit in their day, how much more in our day do we need the external power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives to transform others? We need a regular baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, You can come up, band. In order to be a witness for Jesus in the lives of others. This baptism is not a one-time event either. You'd say, well, okay, that came then, right? Acts 2. They needed it. It came. It's here. No. The same folks in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 4, they cried out. It was these guys had already seen miracles, crazy miracles. A man that had been uh, um, uh, crippled from birth was walking again. I mean, we'd start a conference because of that, you know? We, we see somebody healed, we just start going around doing a conference. But they didn't do that. They said, that's not enough. 
Now Acts chapter 4, they said, Now, O Lord, enable us your servants to speak your word with boldness. Stretch forth your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And guess what happened? And the place where they were meeting was, rock back and forth with me a little, shaken. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the kingdom of God was advanced through it. This is the same group of guys in Acts 2. Maybe a few weeks later, maybe a few days later, they were saying, baptism is not a one-time experience. We continue to receive more of God every day. And uh, I don't have time to go through all in Acts 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10 for the Gentiles. For those of you who say this is only for the Jews, guess what? The Gentiles get in in Acts 10. And you and me are Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile in this terminology. I'm going to finish with this here. These different things, boldness, signs, wonders, tongues, prophecy, all of these things were given at these different experiences of baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Greek word baptizo in the New Testament Greek lexicon, it says this. I want you to put that picture up there that we've got. There you go, right there. This is get ready. Okay, this is the Greek word. To dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge a vessel sunk. These folks are about to sink, aren't they? To cleanse by dipping or submerging. To wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe. And the third one, to overwhelm. Right? This is not just saying, God, I guess I'll take a little Holy Spirit if I have to. You know, if I have to have a little. No, this is God. I have to have more of you. I have to have more of an experience of you from the inside. Those rivers of living water flowing from within me to transform my life and others. And I have to have you come down upon me from heaven so that my life is not impotent but potent for Jesus. Man, there's one thing I don't want to be in life. The one thing I don't want to be is disregarded completely. That my life really didn't change anything. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. I want to ask those of uh, faith group leaders and I want to ask those I've asked to come and pray with faith today to lay hands on people. And I want us to do this. I want us to dive into God. I want us to say, God, I need you. And these are three areas I want us to respond. If you're dealing with loneliness or isolation, we all deal with that to some extent. You need to know that sense that He's with you. He is on your side and by your side. Come on. Come on forward and let someone pray for you. If you need to understand and and experience an increased freedom in your life, in some area, to say, God, open my eyes to the fact that I can walk in freedom today. And let me know that you're for me in that. I want you to come forward. And if you desire a baptism of the Holy Spirit, you say, I don't fully understand it. Hey, we want to give you more scriptural. I, I can go on three hours to explain scriptural evidence of it. But what I'm saying is go with the faith that God's given you today and receive what He gives you. God will never give, as Jesus said, a snake to those who ask for, for uh, stone or for bread. He will never give you uh, uh, anything other than what you ask for. Um, God is more faithful to lead you than Satan is to deceive you. He will lead you as your heart. I just want to ask you right now, If something I've said has touched you, I want you to come forward. I'm not going to play Mr. Nice today in in the sense of figuring it out. I just want you to come because I really feel like that God has something good for you today.